Hello, and welcome to In All Things, a podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, a global movement of Evangelical Presbyterian churches. Thank you for joining us. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. Our prayer is that God uses Dean and his guests to both inform and inspire you about how God is working in and through the EPC. The motto of our family of churches is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another edition of In All Things. Uh, it's great to welcome you here to this format where we um, hopefully serve the church, uh, starting with the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, but then going out um, to your friends, neighbors, coworkers, and hopefully, uh, Lord willing, uh, to the ends of the earth. That's the beautiful thing about a podcast format. Anywhere someone is able to download something off the internet, they can get this broadcast. And so if it's an encouragement to you, would you do us the favor of sharing it with others that it might be an encouragement to them as well? And it could be as simple as liking us on your social or forwarding it to someone else, uh, passing on the news of this podcast to your pastor your elders, maybe your mission pastor, anybody who you think might um, be encouraged by the work of what God is doing in all things through the EPC. Again, grateful to have you here with us. Um, We're approaching close to 40 episodes, not quite, but we're getting there. By the time this podcast drops, we will be at about that space. It's an important milestone. Um, When we get to maybe 50 episodes, we might have some sort of a podcast celebration. But we really are trying to increase our reach, not for the purpose of numbers, uh, but for the purpose of impact uh, for the gospel. And so thank you. Uh, Thank you for listening to us and taking us along, uh, whether you're driving to work or walking the dog or working out at the gym. We're grateful that you have made the the time, uh, uh, the stewardship and the commitment to be with us as we uh, share what God is doing. Our podcasts for the next season are going to be brought to us by two of the strategic priorities that are uh, seminal to the EPC's work, both in church planting and in church health. Um, Our national church planting coordinator, Tom Ricks, would remind me that our vision is that every congregation in the EPC, and there are roughly 637 congregations in the EPC, give or take, that every congregation would be a parent, a patron, or a partner. A parent, obviously, is a is a church that plants a daughter church and does it directly themselves. A, a patron might very well be a church that is just financially supporting a church plant. Maybe it's a church plant that's coming out of your presbytery or another church that needs support. And then, of course, partners are when a number of churches come together collaboratively um, to see the kingdom grow through church planting uh, in their community because uh, many hands make light work. And so perhaps your congregation is being called to be a parent, a patron, or a partner. But at the very least, the fourth P is that you can pray. You can pray for the growth of the gospel. And there is no greater way for the Great Commission to go forward in our own Jerusalem uh, than through church planting. And so please consider praying about being a parent, patron, or a partner. 
And our National Director of Church Health, Bob Stoffer, would have me remind you that we now have church health coordinators in all of our presbyteries who exist to do a number of things to support our congregations as kind of the point of the spear when it comes to the mission of God breaking into our communities. That's what it means to be a missional church. Um, But particularly, um, the thing that we're trying to do to help equip churches in that is called the EPC's Three Circles. If you would like to learn more, we encourage you to look at Jimmy Scroggins' book, Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations, or get on our website at epc.org, and you'll have the chance to look at the EPC's Three Circles, a very simplified way in which you can share your faith with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and your family. There's training there for people as young as four and five years old. Um, We've done this training with our national leadership team, and we're hearing encouraging stories already of people coming to Christ through this very simple, very elegant gospel presentation. Most people don't share their faith, not because they don't believe in it or because they don't want to, It's because they're intimidated and don't know how to. And the EPC's three circles is a way that will help you overcome that obstacle to sharing the good news of Jesus with those whom God has brought into your sphere of influence. Speaking of sharing the good news of Jesus with those uh, in his sphere of influence, I'm pleased today and honored and humbled to have in the studio as our guest, the Reverend Dr. Samuel Cisse. In fact, it's Samuel Saidu Cisse, call him the triple S threat. Um, and he comes to us all the way from Sierra Leone, which is in West Africa. Samuel is a longtime friend and colleague. Uh, we've spent many hours in each other's homes and with each other's families and in some of the hardest places as you could ever possibly imagine sharing the gospel, including with several unreached people groups in some of the most challenging places and the most remote and under-resourced communities in the all-Muslim areas of northern rural Sierra Leone, which is, of course, in West Africa. Samuel Cisse is the lead pastor of the EPC in Sierra Leone, and we'll ask him about that in a few moments. And he is also the president of EduNations, uh, and you can want to look that up. You can look up edunations.org, and you can learn more about this ministry that is a partner of the EPC. So, Samuel, it is great to have you here at the Office of the General Assembly in Orlando, and welcome to In All Things. Thank you so much. Uh, it's an honor to be here and to get to meet with you again. Uh, just now you're talking about many years of mentorship and friendship that we have shared, and I would always take advantage of that if I have it to be with you. So thank you for having me. Well, it's a delight to have you. And Samuel flew into Orlando to meet with some of our friends at our partner church, First Presbyterian Church of Orlando, who have made a significant impact in Sierra Leone and supporting our teachers there. But let's uh, let's go back and help the, the audience to get to know you a little bit, Samuel. Give a little bit of your background because you were not born a Christian. So give us a little bit, if you could briefly, of your faith journey and introduce us to your family. Well, um, definitely I wasn't born a Christian. Uh, I don't know anyone who's born a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I appreciate the theological correction. That's very helpful. Uh, Let's just say you were born into a Muslim family. I was born into a Muslim family in Sierra Leone where I think the official records uh, say that there is uh, uh, 78% uh, Muslim population out of the 
close to 7 million now. Uh, I was uh, raised by my mom as a single mother, uh, and she was a Muslim. Uh, she has been a Muslim all our life until uh, two years ago when the Lord in his mercy brought her to faith. We've been praying for your mom for a long time. So you're right. The Lord in his mercy. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So this woman uh, raised me up for the first 12 years of my life in a village in Northern Sierra Leone. Uh, I don't remember ever going out of that village. And the only thing I got introduced to was the Islamic faith. I learned the Quran uh, in a, a open fire kind of Islamic school where we would have like a slate, a wooden slate, and the Islamic leader that we will call in our language the Karmoko uh, will write the Quran uh, using ink uh, and uh, kind of a stick, then would have us memorize the Quran and, and then we will use that for Muslim prayers, especially when I led my mom in prayers because you have to be a man to lead women in prayers and I would just bring back to memory the, the script the uh, Quranic writings that I had memorized uh, that continued up to 12 years of age when I finished my primary school there was no other school in my village so I would have ended my education there but my mom made the decision that I would move to a town called McKinney uh, to continue my education and that was when I met my father for the first time at the age of 12, he was a Methodist Christian at the time, and his wife, whom he had married and had five children with, uh, was a Muslim. And so it was very comfortable for me to continue practicing my Islamic faith when I lived with him. And again, um, it's a new perspective that I have now, but at that time, I was very bitter and angry at my stepmother. Uh, because, I mean, she had five children for my father before I got there. And whenever she needed someone to fetch water, she says, you are the older one. Go fetch water for everyone. <laughs> but when there is just a small portion of food for everybody, she says, oh, let the younger ones have the food. <laughs> and, and in a place of scarcity and mm -hmm. away from my mom, whom I had known all my years, I was really bitter and angry. And I walked away from the mosque, um, stayed for a couple of years without any faith at all until my dad gave me the ultimatum. He said, you either go to the mosque or you go to the church with me. You have to decide. And I followed him to the Methodist church for a couple of years. But in God's grace and mercy, uh, February 1994, a man called Reverend Shidanke Johnson, who had been preaching the gospel to me for a long time, finally brought me to my knees and led me uh, to pray the sinner's prayer. Or the Holy Spirit, through him, brought you to your knees. So You have to say that. One theological correction deserves another. So one of the things that people might not appreciate some well is that um, McKinney, which is the what, probably fourth largest city in the in the country, in the in largest city in the north, the northern part of Sierra Leone is, while the country might be 78% Muslim, the northern part up in McKinney, where you're from, that's really almost 100% Muslim. Oh, yes. That's a lot more than any other part of the country. Yeah. And, and also, the fact that your father, a Methodist Christian, could marry a Muslim woman is part of the legacy of Sierra Leone's historic tolerance uh, for different religions. Uh, although Islam is the majority, Christianity once was the majority, and there's been a largely, at least on a public scale, peaceful 
coexistence of the two. Now, when push comes to shove and a person who is a Muslim becomes a Christian, there's uh, some dynamics that that might set off. But for the most part, you grew up in a fairly religiously tolerant yet tribal Muslim background. Correct. And again, I often lament over the fact that uh, Sierra Leone, which was uh, the first place in the whole of West Africa where we had a theological seminary in 1827. It used to be known as the Athens of Africa. It was the center of learning and Christian faith uh, in West Africa for years. For years, yes. And what and what happened? How, how did that change? Obviously, uh, it's also one of the things that I struggle with when I come to America and I meet good Christian men and women and we talk about how this nation was founded uh, under God, but today perhaps uh, walking away from God, uh, if you like. And that's the story of Sierra Leone. But, Mm. you know, Islam came in with commerce and kind of embraced the traditions of the people. Sierra Leone was known at that time for mostly like what we call the African traditional religion, ATR. That was what our people practice, and Islam accommodated most of the cultural practices and uh, almost made the two into a marriage that uh, got celebrated to the point that Christianity just uh, dwindled in this way. So part of that is is that you would have grown up in what would be known as a folk Islam, that is to say a kind of syncretism that has that was able to blend the African tribal religions with Islam. So Islam became a little more culturally friendly uh, in the sense of that accommodation. And so as that grew, and then of course the blood diamond war occurs and you have people coming in from other parts of the country, particularly from Bangladesh, who go on a campaign of building mosques all over the country. Um, Omar Gaddafi has a long reputation of uh, building mosques in the country. Today, there's a lot of money flowing into the country from Saudi Arabia and places in the Middle East to sustain that. So there's been a lot of people from the outside who have come in, in some ways, trying to colonize Sierra Leone. Um, The British obviously did that at one point in time, but from a religious standpoint, the Muslims have done that too. Absolutely, and they continue to do that. I mean, you just talk about how Saudi Arabia is pouring a lot of money into Sierra Leone right now. Nowadays, they pay $400 to everyone who could read the Quran and could serve as an imam in a village. So there was a huge move for the recruitment of thousands of imams across the country, helping them to open uh, bank accounts in some of the banks. uh, They were shut completely off from the rest of the customers for days, just trying to get Mm. all these imams uh, set up in their banks. And in Freetown, the largest mosque is the Gaddafi Mosque in the eastern part of the country. So again, uh, the embracing of the African traditional religion played a part, but the continued outpouring of uh, perhaps oil money yeah. from those regions have contributed. Yeah. So let's um, talk a little bit about the two places where the Lord has called you to serve, and both of those are um, connected to the EPC here in the U.S. Um, at our most recent General Assembly, the EPC of Sierra Leone has become a fraternal partner of the EPC here in the U.S., But you've been coming to EPC General Assemblies for years, not only representing the EPC Sierra Leone, 
but also as the president of Edunations. Could you tell us a little bit about, for those who are listening, what is Edunations? What is the mission? Just give us a quick summary uh, so people could understand. You know, uh, I serve as the president of Edunations, but I know in my heart that the, the best person to talk about Edunations is you because you founded it in 2004. Now, you just gave me away, Samuel. Yes. You, just gave you me founded Edunations. You were drawn to the devastation that happened in Sierra Leone in 2004 during the Blood Diamond War and compelled by God's love, reach out with a number of other American parents to adopt children in Sierra Leone and ended up starting to build schools. Now Edunations has 15 schools, over 3,500 students that come to these schools in communities where there are no schools so that if Edunations was not there, running the schools, those children would not be getting an education. And these are fully Christian schools. Now, we use the government curriculum so that we can test the government standards, and, and, and we're among the highest in the country in terms of our national scoring, which is amazing when you think about the fact that these are rural schools. These are not schools from the cities where there's resources and the government has application. These are rural farming uh, subsistence farming communities, I mean, out in the bush, in the jungle, that have among the highest scores in the country, uh, places where there would never be any schools. And more than half of our students, unbelievably, in these rural communities are girls, which is unheard of in, in rural villages. So we're teaching to government standards, doing all of that, but we're it's a Christian organization in Muslim villages. How does that work? It's amazing. I guess that's how the founding fathers wanted it to look like uh, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. So even though it's a Christian organization, uh, we welcome everyone. And most of the people that come to our schools, I would say 90 or more percent are Muslims. Uh, they come from homes where the parents have never went gone to school. So we have the privilege of educating the first generation of these people. Mm. And because Sierra Leone provides opportunities for all, I guess I should say that perhaps over 80% of the schools in Sierra Leone are owned and founded by religious organizations, whether they're Christians or Muslim. So Sierra Leone kept in the curriculum what is called uh, religious and moral education. That provides for the teaching of Islam, the teaching of Christianity, and African traditional religion. And so right baked into the curriculum, you can teach the Christian faith. Absolutely. In every school, in fact, there is a national exam at primary school level when you finish grade six. There is a, another national exam when you finish ninth grade. And the students are tested in their knowledge of the African traditional religion. So we have the freedom to uh, share the gospel every day in all our schools and our communities. And that is the beauty of this work that I do. Well, there's some additional ways in which there, you supplement the curriculum. You have chapel. Talk to us about how pastors and chapel work with some of the students. Oh. And, and, and at the senior secondary school, the house parents. Talk, talk to us about some of how that works in, in terms of integrating the faith. Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, it's very customary in Sierra Leone that every morning the students will 
get together for an assembly time and we have integrated a five minute Bible talk in every assembly in every school every day Monday to Friday so thankfully in every community where we work we have EPC pastors and that's our planting churches there and leading the churches they come to the school assembly and give that talk We've also uh, set up what we call a chapel hour, which is every Wednesday uh, that all the student body will come together for one hour of church service. And the pastor has 25 to 30 minutes every Wednesday to share the gospel to everyone, staff and students. And sometimes we see parents coming around uh, to hang out with us. So it's really, really wonderful to see those opportunities that we have, plus the fact that in Rokasa, where we have the senior secondary school, uh, we have uh, about 80 students going through a discipleship program every Tuesday, 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. And that is making a huge impact because what we are experiencing in Rokasa for this student is although they have come from education schools in their villages where they did primary school and middle school and perhaps have given their hearts to Christ because they were living with their parents, their families, they were not able to express publicly their faith in Christ. And now in Rokasa, where we set up a boarding home school and have uh, Christian uh, parents, uh, teachers serving as their parents, living with them in the dormitories and doing devotion in the morning before leaving the house, uh, we see them coming out openly about their faith and their growing, right? I've seen a student who came with a hijab, if you like, on the first day of school and she had a Quran and was insisting on the Muslim prayer. They built a mosque in the school ground on their first week of arriving there. She's brilliant. She could be she could be anything, I think. But if you talk to her now, the only thing she wants to be, she says, she wants to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> like a pastor's wife, that's what she wants to be. And I mean, talking about her desire to serve the Lord, I guess she was thinking maybe she cannot be a pastor because she's a woman. If you come from a Muslim background, that's how you think. And uh, definitely, she's got to get introduced to Pastor Betsy uh, yes. at some point in time. Yes. Who's uh, Betsy Rumor is an EPC pastor is on the board of directors of Educations and been to Sierra Leone probably over twenty times. So she's got to be reintroduced to Pastor Betsy, I suppose. We're looking forward to that, yes. Okay. Well, you mentioned a little earlier that seminal to this chapel hour and some of the spiritual life at the schools, you mentioned an EPC pastor. So out of Edunations was born the EPC of Sierra Leone. Could you give us a little bit of the backstory to that? Yes, again, um, praising God for, for your life and uh, who you obey the Lord and, and his call on your life. So you went out to adopt children. And, and this Australia. is starting to look very self-serving, Samwide. Let's try to tell the story. It's, uh, you, it's impossible no, to no, talk no. about that without talking about how God used you to not only build schools, but pave the way to recruit teachers, Christian teachers, coming into communities that are 100%. How do you thrive? How do you live out your Christian faith? That's how they started meeting in the classrooms for like Sunday school and just fellowships and now turning into churches. I had the privilege of recruiting these pastors 
six of them, together with Reverend Kumana, who is like our church training secretary, and bringing these pastors and their wives and their children to these communities where they have never been to. And now they are planting churches. Now they have 18 outreaches in 18 different villages using the Jesus theme, using the proclaimer, and helping other people to hear the gospel in their native languages. So tell people what the proclaimer is. I'm not sure everybody knows what that is. The proclaimer, I think, was uh, perhaps uh, made up by Wycliffe, mm-hmm. and it's a small portable device that is solar-powered and has the recording of the New Testament. Sometimes it's made only the book of John or perhaps the whole New Testament in the local language of the people. Now, the elders in our churches will go to these outreach villages and maybe sit under a tree or perhaps close to the well or maybe in the veranda of a house and just put the device on. Then the gospel is read in the local language of the people. Everybody listens to that. And we have seen people who pull their benches. They use benches that most people don't have chairs and just sit and have their hands on their chin and just listen it provides a way that they can begin to ask questions and get to hear about the gospel. Now, a lot of people maybe can't appreciate when you're in the villages, you're talking about very remote places, no electricity, no running water, no television, certainly, and no radio, and no, I mean, the form of entertainment that is classically tribal is to sit around in the evenings, whether it's around a fire or around the well or under a, during the day under a mango tree, and pull stories. And to gather around and hear the story of Isa, uh, Jesus, um, is uh, to hear it in their own language is, exactly. is just fascinating. So those people who are listening in their villages and the proclaimers end up, as they ask questions in these outreach places, and as they become followers of Jesus, they end up in our churches. And I, how many people would you think in the last seven or eight years, uh, Muslims have been actually baptized who become followers of Jesus. Certainly over 1,000 people. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, just recently in March when you and the team visited, I think 103 we are baptized. So definitely the Lord has been working in these communities that didn't have the gospel at all. And I can, I, I, I know in my heart that we've baptized over 1,000 yeah, it was uh, probably one of the highlights of the trip for me. It was watching uh, Pastor Glenn Myers, who's former moderator of our General Assembly and chair of the National Leadership Team and the commission pastor at the Ardera EPC Church um, in the river up in the Coinaduga district near Benicoro, baptizing all of those people in the river. I, I will forever have that picture of Glenn baptizing in the river in my mind. And uh, EPC World Outreach Executive Director Gabriel DeGia there to welcome people out of the water and he would grab their hand and escort them out of the, the river and he would look them in the eyes and say, you are now a new creation in Jesus Christ. And just a very powerful uh, time to watch that as people gathered on the banks and sang. And, and that's the other thing is that I think um, whether it's in the schools or the churches, uh, our Sierra Leone brothers and sisters sing really, really well. Uh, and that's just so much fun. Yeah, it's again, I guess, uh, one of the wonderful things that we can take away from our culture. So whereas Islam would uh, inculcate things from our culture that are completely opposed to the gospel of Christ, we would look for things like that and singing and dancing is certainly one of our 
cultural practices that yeah. we have brought to the church. And that is not opposed to the gospel. That is a great way of expressing the gospel. So we praise God for that. Well, talk specifically before we close about one of the ways in which the EPC has been really here in the U.S. has been really involved in the EPC of Sierra Leone is through the ministry called I-10. Uh, our EPC World Outreach has something called I-10, which is the International Theological Education Network. What has I-10, the EPC's I-10, been able to help do in the EPC of Sierra Leone? Oh, I would make the connection to what the uh, Presbytery of the Allegheny did in helping us to plant these churches and commission the pastors. And I know that for some of those pastors, we had little or no knowledge of the scriptures, and especially about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. We needed how to grow as evangelicals, how to grow as reformed, and how to be a church that is governed by plural leadership. And I-10 has come in into this to help us making trips every year to Sierra Leone. I think of uh, Steve uh, Woodward, uh, I think of uh, Bruce Anderson, Ed and his wife, Nan, have been to Sierra Leone. Ed McCallum, actually, when he first came on to World Outreach, he bought a whole bunch of, he got, I think it was maybe Ward Church in, in, in Northfield, Michigan, where we had our General Assembly. Ward Church, I think, purchased these uh, iPads. Tablets, yes. These tablets. And they were able to download an entire theological library <laughs> on these tablets so that all of our pastors in Sierra Leone had these tablets with like a really robust theological library in them. Exactly. So again, it's part of the training for the pastors, uh, pastors who have not had that kind of training needed resources. And if they are in communities where there are no libraries, no other pastor, and perhaps not even a cell phone coverage, if you, I mean, um, if you are preaching from a passage and you, you don't know how to get through something, you need something that will help you. So again, uh, I-10 have been really, really uh, instrumental in helping to train the pastors that we could uh, handle the scriptures well. Well, we were grateful to have you here for our General Assembly. We're grateful for the connection through EPC World Outreach and now as a fraternal partner of the EPC. And we look forward to, of course, Samuel, having you back. You typically travel to the States once a year for uh, four to six weeks. If somebody out there is listening and would like to connect with you, would like to follow the work of Edunations, how could they How could they do that? The easiest way is to go to the website, uh, edunations.org, and you would reach out to me. Uh, we have a small uh, group of staff uh, based in Pittsburgh, and um, they are also always available uh, to make the way. But what would be wonderful is to one day just see you walk into Sierra Leone in the airport, as many people have done. I try to count, I think, uh, I would say quite uh, freely that maybe there are tens of people who have come to Sierra Leone and become a blessing to this work that is going on there. I would be the one waiting at the airport. (laughs) And you could not ask for a better host, my friend. So Samuel, in closing, how could we pray for you and our brothers and sisters in Sierra Leone? Uh, Thank you so much to keep me in prayers as I lead uh, the Lord's work. uh, And I would ask that God will continue to give me his grace and strength and give me his wisdom that I would be able to work together with the pastors in continuing the work that we have started in these communities. 
please pray for my wife and for my two daughters uh, who are back in Sierra Leone and love what I am doing and the support that to pray for them as well. Absolutely. We pray for you all the time in the Weaver household and grateful that now our extended family in the EPC is getting to know you better and can pray for you more. And hopefully there will be others who feel the call of the Lord to come and walk alongside of you. If you, if you ever want to be a part of a ministry that looks, feels, acts like the book of Acts, you need to get on a plane and go to Sierra Leone. Uh, a big smiling face will be there to greet you at the airport, and uh, you will see much of what is chronicled in the historical books of the early church. You will see it firsthand. The things that are in the Bible are not stories that are not real. They are things that have happened, and if you go to Sierra Leone, you will see it happen right before your very eyes, and your faith will be strengthened, and the kingdom will expand. So, Samuel, thank you for being with us here today. Thanks for coming to our General Assembly, and we can't wait and look forward to the next time. Thank you. My friends, that brings us to a close of another conversation, and we're grateful that you listened in today. If you found today's podcast to be an encouragement to you, again, would you please share that on your social or share it with others in any other way in which you can get the word out. Um, if nothing else, that you would today be committed today to pray for Samuel Cisse, uh, for Edunations, and for the work of the EPC of Sierra Leone. If that's all that comes out of today, it will have been well worth the time and effort. But we trust that the Holy Spirit, uh, who hovers over all things and brings life um, into the craziness of this world, uh, may just choose to work through this podcast today to do something exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever asked or imagined. So, friends, we close, as always, with that good word that comes from God's word as a reminder uh, to each and every one of us of the sovereignty of our loving God. You see, the Son is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, in Sierra Leone, in the United States, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, my friends, and in him all things hold together. For he is the head of the body, the church, that is our precious Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name until the next time we gather, my friends, grace and peace to you. Thank you again for joining us. On behalf of Dean and the entire team, we hope you will join us for our next episode of In All Things. For more information about the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, including a directory of local churches, online resources, and much more, visit our website at www.epc.org. I'm Rachel Joseph. I pray you have an overwhelming sense of God's presence in all things today. <laughs>